touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, guys, and welcome to Tech Stuff. This is Jonathan Strickland, and today we're going to look back on a classic episode of Tech Stuff. This is one that Lauren Vogelbaum was on, and it is all about transmissions. It was called What Do Transmissions Do? And since Scott came in and we did an episode about electric bikes and we talked a bit about gear systems, I thought it would uh, you know, benefit us to revisit transmissions and understand how gears help us with our automobiles. So I hope you enjoy. So what are we talking about with transmissions? What are transmissions? Why are they necessary? What's the deal? Well... First, we have to understand that uh, a vehicle, uh, let's say a, a vehicle with an internal combustion engine, uh, gets its power from the engine itself, right? You're burning fuel within that engine, and that engine is putting out power in the form of kinetic energy. Sure. Now, the trick is, how do you make the kinetic energy that's generated by the engine make your vehicle move as opposed to just making noise? Or heat. Or explosions. Uh, that would be an external combustion engine. Not a good thing. Not as useful for no. motion vehicles, no. So uh, what what's generally going on with a, uh, a vehicle? We're, we're going to take, for this podcast, we're going to specifically focus on a five-speed manual transmission vehicle that has rear-wheel drive. Now, there are a lot of different configurations you can have. Uh, the basic premise of the transmission is the same in all of these, but the way it's laid out is completely different depending upon the car's configuration. So this just for the purposes of this podcast, because we can't cover everything, it would be a four hour long podcast. At least, yeah. And we'd, we'd, we'd eventually say, I, I don't even know where I am anymore. Uh, we're going to keep it fairly simple. So really, the transmission is important for being able to take the power that an engine is generating and convert that into the kinetic energy that's necessary to get your vehicle moving. But before we get too far into that, uh, let's kind of look back at why is a transmission even necessary? I mean, not beyond the fact of what it does. Why do we need something that like a variable transmission. Why not just something that converts the energy of an engine into the rotating force of wheels moving? Right. And this this has something to do with, with the difference between um, the kind of energy that you want to use when you're first starting a car, when you're accelerating it from a stop, mm-hmm. and when you're uh, speeding up later on down the line. Right. And when you're, when you're reaching your top speed as well. Yeah. Uh, as it turns out, an engine only has a very narrow range uh, at which it's operating with its revolutions per minute, uh, relatively narrow range. Uh, and if our vehicles worked within that same narrow range, we'd be fine, right? right. If, if everything was ideal, if somehow the range of the engine and the range of the motion of the wheels had a one-to-one ratio, whether it was directly uh, analogous or you had to have some sort of gear shift in there to... Uh, to uh, adjust it, we'd be all right. We wouldn't need a transmission. But uh, we really need a wider range. And the two things that are really important when it comes to operating vehicles uh, for, the, for the purposes of this conversation are speed and torque. Okay, so, so, what's, so what's, what, what is torque? Torque is, uh, is, 
you can think of it as a twisting force. It's a rotational force. So whenever you have a wheel turning, uh, it's, it's powered. It's, that's, that's, that's torque there. Or if you're using a wrench, let's say that you need to loosen or tighten a bolt with a wrench, you're using torque. Uh, it's this rotational force. The, the end of the wrench is moving in a circle and the bolt is acting as sort of the axis of this, of this pit or a pivot point for this motion. Uh, that's torque. And by increasing or decreasing torque, you can, you, it's kind of what people talk about when they're talking about the grip on the road. Um, you can have a vehicle that has really high torque, uh, and really low speed. You can have a vehicle that has really high speed, really low torque. You can have lots of different combinations here. So for example, uh, imagine a giant crane that you would use in a construction uh, field. All right. So it's enormous and it's using wheels, not, not treads or whatever. Uh, this vehicle is going to have an enormous amount of torque applied to the wheels in order to move this massive vehicle around. It may not be moving quickly, but the torque is really powerful, which means that it would require a lot of force to make sure that those wheels don't turn if the engine were operational and it was being put into drive. Okay. So if you were trying to hold those wheels still, you would have to use an enormous amount of force to counteract that torque. Uh, you could also have a toy, let's say, that has a little spinning element to it that spins at an incredible RPM, but it doesn't do so very uh, with very much torque at all. So if you just touched it, it would stop spinning. And it, it would just be the lightest touch to counteract that torque. Again, the torque is not very strong with that particular device. So when we're operating our vehicles, we actually need a fairly wide range of torque, which is not something that would be possible if we had to work within the narrow parameters of what an engine is able to put out with that range of RPMs. Uh, right. If an engine only had one speed, it, yeah, would, it would get really messy really fast. Right. And exa- exactly. And, you, you know, the vehicle might operate fine in certain conditions, but if you change those conditions at all, then you'd be in trouble. And see, that's the, that's the issue, right? Because we all know when you're out there driving... Not everything is a perfectly flat highway. You know, you're going to have inclines. You're going to have changes in the, in the environmental conditions that are going to require your vehicle to adjust as you are going through them. So that's why you need to have a transmission. You have to have something where you can shift to a different torque or speed in order to, uh, one, maintain your grip on the road and continue moving at the appropriate speed, and two, operate within the engine's parameters. Uh, that's one of those reasons why, like, if you keep revving the engine and you're in first gear, you'll see that needle go all the way into the red, and then if you keep that up, you burn out your engine. So by shifting, you are actually adjusting torque and speed. And by doing that, you can keep the uh, needle in the the uh, Ideal optimal. operational yes. range, like, yes. So that's what the transmission is for. It's for keeping you in this, in the sweet spot. And there are, of course, manual transmissions, automatic transmissions. There are variants of, 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 of those. Both. Sure. Um, and, uh, and while we're really focusing on manual transmissions, if, if we were to talk about auto, uh, automatic, I think I would have to call someone else in because. Yeah, we, we would need Scott in here because it's a little bit beyond what we are, certainly our personal technical level with the automotive industry. Not to mention the fact that I don't know how I would explain it in words without the benefit of pictures. It's we, already going to be a challenge. We would need an interpretive dance and that works less well on podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Than, you, yeah. Might, you might hear us like whiff by the uh, microphone, but it kind of loses something in the translation. All right. Uh, but so originally automobiles only had uh, two forward gears and one reverse. So uh, 
but their the engine capacity was much less. So so those narrow ranges were kind of okay within two gears. Right. Um, around the early 1940s, late 1930s, um, uh, Ford and Chrysler started introducing semi-automatic gears that would let you. Um, uh, you still had to use a clutch, but you could but you could switch between them between the higher gears semi-automatically. Gotcha. Um, in the 1950s, the first full automatics were debuted. And uh, and then after that, all of the advances have been in the uh, in the number of speeds, the number of gears that are involved in these transmissions. Right. So we went from uh, we went from two up to uh, four speed manuals, and then six speed manuals started hitting the market in the uh, late 1980s. Right. So uh, and you might wonder why do you have why why do you add more of those uh, divisions, more of those speeds? It doesn't necessarily mean that the vehicle is going to go faster than earlier vehicles. Uh, it does mean that the transitions between between the different speeds or the different gears becomes a little more smooth because you've you've refined them. You've you made it a little more precise. Oh, right. It lets the engines uh, work less hard. Yeah. At the specific task that you were asking them to do at the time. Um. Uh, along these lines, uh, just a, just about a couple days ago, as of the recording of this podcast in mid-April 2013, uh, GM and Ford, General Motors, of course, and Ford announced that they're going to uh, to work together to develop nine and ten speed transmissions. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming those are automatic transmissions at this point because that sounds like a very large gear shift. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that will, you know, for, for consumer vehicles, and that will, uh, you know, save gas mileage. It could it could raise gas mileage by five to ten percent, which is, you know, not not insignificant. Right, so. right. And then you're talking about decreased uh, environmental impact. There are a lot of other benefits that roll out through these. Uh, some people might call them small evolutionary changes, but they can make a big difference down the road. Ha ha! Did not mean to do a pun there. And one goes out oh, to Chris no. Collette. Accidental puns. Yeah. We don't. We don't need any of those. Didn't mean to do it. All right. So, so you might be thinking, all right, how does this whole torque shifting thing work? And we're going to get into the actual uh, mechanics, literally, of it in a little bit. But in general, think of two gears. All right. If you have two gears of the same size and they are, they have teeth that interlock, when you turn one gear, the other gear is going to turn at that same rate. It's going to be the same number of revolutions per minute because they are the same size, same, right. same number of teeth, all that kind of stuff. Now let's say that you have a large gear and a smaller gear and they are interlocking and you're turning the large gear. That smaller gear is going to do more revolutions per minute than the large gear. You know, when you go from the starting point all the way back around to the starting point in the large gear, the small one may have turned three or four times depending upon the ratio between the two, right? Same thing if you have a, a small gear and a large gear and you're turning the small gear, you're going to have to turn that small gear several times. In order to that... get one of the large gear to go around. Yeah. Right, exactly. And and these these differences in speed also result in a difference in torque. So that's what's going to become important when we start talking about the actual process of shifting and what's going on with the transmission. For us to understand that, we're really going to have to take a look at the entire drivetrain of a vehicle, which is uh, both uh, exciting and intimidating to me, I think I think it's really cool. It's this is this is really entertaining physics to me because I have I have I mean uh, Jonathan doesn't really drive. No, Jonathan doesn't drive. Don't don't even bother putting the word really in there. Jonathan does not drive. We we, we fortunately have a uh, limitedly robust public transport system. <laughs> I can here get in Atlanta. I can get generally to where I need to go. 
Um, uh, and I, I, I do drive, but I'm a very, I'm not, um, I'm not particularly a car person. So but this is, so this is going to be an exciting. Yes. I, I will ask Lauren about her experiences with manual transmissions later on in the podcast. So stay tuned to find out about Lauren's own personal adventures with this technology. All right. Let's get back to how transmissions actually work. So to do this, we have to look at the entire system that makes the car go. Oh, right. And and you're you're only interacting in this five-speed manual transmission that we are talking about with with two bits of it, the the clutch and the gear shift. Yeah. Yeah, but the But there's and, a lot going on under the surface. <laughs> yes, a whole lot. And so first we need to just understand what these what these different parts are. So you've got your car's engine this is the thing that makes it go, ultimately. Uh, as you are depressing the gas pedal, you are putting in more fuel to the engine, which is then generating more uh, power. It, it creates more kinetic energy in the form of the pistons moving up and down. Those pistons are connected to a crankshaft, which converts the reciprocating motion, that's the up and down motion of the pistons, into rotary motion, meaning it's turning into turning in a, a circular uh, pattern now. So the crankshaft goes from the up-down motion to the rotation motion, which is the very basis of everything else that's going to happen. Now, the crankshaft connects uh, to a flywheel. Now, the flywheel transmits this rotary, rotary motion to a clutch plate. And the clutch plate is what eventually connects to that clutch pedal. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there's a pressure plate that is pressed up against the clutch plate, right? So the pressure plate, when it's in contact with the the clutch plate, allows this rotary motion to transmit through the rest of the of the vehicle's drivetrain. Uh, so when these two things are in contact with one another, uh, as long as the engine is is going, then there is some sort of rotation being uh, transmitted uh, at that point. Assuming you're not uh, in just in neutral, so. Uh, what happens when you hit the clutch? Well, when you hit the clutch, the pressure plate rises up off of, lifts off the, the clutch plate. Once the pressure plate separates from the clutch plate, all power is cut off to the other, rest of the transmission. The rest of the transmission, exactly. So, so while the engine is still going, uh, it is not providing rotary force to the transmission and wheels. Which is what allows you to shift gears. Exactly. It's, without making things explode. Right. This is why you, why if you're driving a, a manual, a, you know, you're driving stick, you have to hit the clutch first because that ends up pulling that pressure plate off so that you are able to sh- shift gears without making the horrible grinding noise and destroying your big brother's vehicle. Uh, I say big brother because I know a guy who did do that. Oh, yeah. uh Mm. Yeah, I was not there, thankfully. Uh, So assuming that the clutch plate and pressure plate are in contact with one another, you you have not just hit the clutch. Uh, It is then providing that rotary uh, motion to the gearbox shaft. Now, the gearbox consists of several parts itself. You've got the uh, the main – well, you've got a lay shaft, which is connected to that gearbox shaft. You've got a main shaft, and you've got several gears attached to both. You also have something that's either called a dog clutch or a collar, depending upon who you're talking to. And that is what is connected to a selector mechanism, which in the case of most vehicles we think of as the stick shift, the right. manual shift. So uh, – the lay shaft is has got gears that are actually part of that shaft. So right. They're 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 
splined, spleened, spleened, spleened is probably not the correct pronunciation there. I'm going to assume it's splined <laughs> I, directly I, to the shaft. Yeah. In, the, in other words, it's got a direct attachment. So as the shaft turns, so do the gears. Those gears have teeth along the edges and they interlock with gears that are on the main shaft. But here's the big difference between the gears on the lay shaft and the ones on the main shaft. The gears on the main shaft are mounted on ball bearings. So they can spin freely around the axis of the main shaft without actually turning the main shaft. Right. They're just kind of ghosting along over it until they become connected to the shaft through another piece of technology. Yeah, that would be the collar or dog clutch. Now, this is uh, attached directly to the main shaft. It can slide to the left or right along the main shaft. But if it turns, the main shaft turns. So by interlocking the collar with the side of one of these main shaft gears. All right, both both the collar and the main shaft gears have teeth uh have teeth along the sides of them so that right. they can interlock. Yeah, exactly. So so imagine that think of it this way, you've got a gear that's got teeth along the outer edge like a like you would see in a, a typical gear, but you also have uh if you're looking at it from from one of the sides, so you're not looking at it headlong, you've turned it sideways, so you're looking at it like, you know, like a plate, and you're holding it up. It would have uh, teeth and holes along the surface that you're actually looking at. And those interlock with the collar or dog clutch. Right, they kind of sandwich together. Right, so what happens is the lay shaft gears turn. That makes the main shaft gears turn. And if the collar is uh, is engaged in that particular main shaft gear, then the main shaft turns. Uh, I know it sounds really confusing. It's a little difficult to get across without having uh, visual effects. We will, by the way, link on Facebook uh, to pictures and videos of this, so it makes it easier to to uh, to visualize and understand. But uh, once you've got that main shaft turning, that's what then provides uh, rotary motion to the differential. Uh, the differential's job is to uh, to turn that rotary motion ninety degrees, because at this point, before you hit the differential, that rotation is perpendicular to the wheels which would not work. You wouldn't get the wheels to turn that way. Not very useful, no. Yeah, you have to turn that rotation, uh, that motion to be parallel with the wheels in order to get them to turn so you can go forward or backward depending upon which gear is is engaged. So the differential is a set of gears that transmits this 90 degrees, so you can do that. And again, this is your basic uh, five-speed manual transmission with rear-wheel drive. So that's the basic... Layout, but what's going on with the transmission? All right, so remember, I said that you had the lay shaft and the main shaft, both of which have gears on them. So imagine that the uh, the lay shaft gears are set up so it's uh, gears that are increasing in size as you go from gear one to gear five, and then you have uh, the your your final gear on that shaft is for reverse. It's about the same size as the one that's going to be on the main shaft. Along the main shaft, of course, the gears are going to be in reverse order of size. So for the small lay shaft gear, you have a large main shaft gear. The next main shaft gear is a little smaller, the next one a little smaller and a little smaller. So by the time you get to fifth gear, you've got a large lay shaft gear and a small main shaft gear. This is all because of that that relationship between speed and torque I was talking about. So if you've got a small lay shaft gear turning a large main shaft gear, that means that the larger main shaft gear has more torque but less speed. So that's important when you are accelerating from a stop. 
So your car has not started moving. You want to engage that small gear on the lay shaft to turn the large gear on the main shaft so that you will uh, start to accelerate from a stopped position. Right. Now, once you start speeding up, you are eventually going to uh, require the engine to do more power, more work than what it is comfortable doing. That's when you need to shift to second gear, which will be a decrease in torque, but an increase in speed. And it's because that gear ratio has changed. The lay shaft gear is a little larger for gear two, and the main shaft gear is a little smaller for gear two. That's where you get that change in torque and speed. And this is true for, for each speed step up, for each gear step up. Yeah, exactly. So once you get up to gear five, that's when you're going really, really fast. But about you don't as, have, yeah, about as fast as the engine can, can, can let handle, you go. Yeah. Uh, without, you know, having you drive off a cliff, uh, Dukes of Hazard style, in which case gravity takes control and your acceleration is completely dependent upon that. Uh, but, uh, that's the general, uh, progression. So, if you're looking at how does the power flow, I'll walk you through it one more time. So power goes like this. Engine to pistons, pistons to crankshaft, crankshaft to flywheel, flywheel to gearshaft, gearshaft to layshaft, layshaft to layshaft gears, layshaft gears to mainshaft gears, mainshaft gears to the dog clutch or collar, collar to mainshaft, mainshaft to differential, differential to wheels. And the wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> Alternately, the red thing's connected to my wristwatch. Yeah, there you go. And so uh, when when you are shifting gears, what, what's actually happening is, again, you hit the clutch. It then separates the power of the engine from the, uh, from the gearbox down the line. So that allows you to move the collar or dog clutch from one of those gears to another. And if, if you want to visualize it, imagine that you've got a, a, a horizontal pole and you've got uh, gears going from the largest to the smallest and then reverse, which is kind of a medium-sized gear. I'll get to reverse in a minute because that one's kind of interesting. Like, how do you make it go backwards, you might say? Well, um, you've got uh, this this range of gears. Between each set of two, you've got one of those dog clutches or collars that's directly attached to the main shaft. Right. All right? So uh, that that collar can move to the left or right along this horizontal pole and engage either of the two gears that are on either side of it. And there, yeah, there are a set of these in a in a manual five speed. There's going to be three of these collars. Right, because between uh, gears one and two, gears three and four, and gears five and reverse, or you know whatever configuration there are, that's that's where the collars uh, would be, and they would be able to engage either of the two, whichever one on either side. Uh, so if you're on uh, gear number one, and you're speeding up to gear number two, you hit the clutch, the pressure plate comes off the clutch plate, power is cut off to the... the From that, the engine to the transmission. Exactly. Uh, and then as you shift the, the gear shift from one to two, the dog collar disengages from one and moves into the uh, gear two, locks in place. By that time, you've you've uh, let, let off of the clutch. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the power gets reengaged, and it just starts turning, uh, it, or it allows that main gear, that main shaft gear, to turn that uh, dog collar at that point. Uh, right, and right. It goes. It- <laughs> Torque yes. is decreased, speed is increased. Yes, um, and uh, and that is the grinding that you hear. Actually, if you miss shift, it's going to be the teeth on the side of the collar against the teeth on the side of the main shaft gear. Right. That it's trying and failing yeah, to connect. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the lay shaft. That that's always going to the lay shaft and main sh- and main shaft gears are always going to be turning at the same 
general speed, depending upon how much power you're giving the engine. Right. Uh, they are not, it has nothing to do with the lay shaft at all. It's just that mm-hmm. main shaft gear. Although, uh, in originally in uh, manual transmissions, they were called sliding gear transmissions, and the main shaft gears were, in fact, splined to the main shaft. So so they weren't on those ball bearings. Oh. They weren't floating along it, So um, which, which meant that the grinding noise that you would hear in those originals was, in fact, the the teeth of the main shaft gears failing to line up and grinding against the, the lay shaft gear. gears. I would imagine you would only have one lay shaft gear and you would have variable main shaft gear sizes and that's what would, you know, it would just shift along those. That's how I would imagine that would work. Of course, I don't know because I didn't look into that. But that's the, my first reaction based upon how how the typical five-speed manual transmission car works. I didn't look that deeply into it, so I can I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> uh, I'm sure one of my listeners will take me to task and explain how I got that completely wrong. That was just me g- guessing from based upon my understanding of the other uh, the other method. So uh, so reverse. How does reverse work? Reverse is interesting because you actually have three gears, not just the two, not just the. Uh, lay shaft gear and the main shaft gear. There's a tiny little gear in between them called the idler gear. Right. Now, because you have a third gear there that's in between two gears, you actually reverse the rotational direction for the main shaft gear. So, while all the other, let's, let's use, you know, clockwise and counterclockwise. While all the other main shaft gears may be turning in a clockwise uh, motion based upon your perspective, the reverse one will be moving in a counterclockwise motion or Wittershins for my Shakespearean friends. Because, uh, that other, that tiny little gear is all that needs to happen to, uh, to reverse that motion. This is easy to see if you ever have gears just to play with. Uh, so if you interlock two gears and you, and you turn them, you'll see that based upon the rotation of one, the rotation of the other is always going to be the same. When you put a, uh, another gear between them and you turn the first one, the third one, the third gear that used to be the second gear is now turning in the opposite direction as it did before. Because you've got that, that, uh, Intermediary gear, right. the idler gear. So that's what happens when you switch into reverse. It, uh, it, the the collar engages with the main shaft gear that is being turned by this idler gear that in turn is being turned by the lay shaft gear. And to everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a oh, season. Oh no! Oh dear! <laughs> Ask your parents. All right. So uh, that's that's the basis for manual transmission. Automatic transmission is a little. A lot more complicated because we would be talking about planetary gears, which include, and I'm not making this up for people who are unfamiliar with it, it includes a planet gear, a sun gear, and a ring gear, uh, but it's all incorporated into one component, and it it might as well be magic. Uh, it is beyond my ken. I know that Scott understands it backwards and forwards, and if he were in this room right now, he would just be quietly chuckling to himself, not in a mean way, just in his... Just I know. Oh, poor honey. Yeah. Aww. It's so cute that you're trying kind of way. Uh, but now comes the important part of our podcast. Uh, Lauren, I, th- I want to know about your experiences uh, driving a stick shift car because uh, I, I have none. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, I've, I've never um, done a whole lot of time driving stick shift cars. This is a, a very brief series of lessons that I received from uh, from, from one of the first people that I dated, Bob, um, who was a big car enthusiast mm-hmm. and was really keen on, uh, on teaching me how to drive stick. And so... The first time that I got into this, you know, I'd, I'd driven, I'd driven automatics before, so I were, I was passingly familiar anyway with how cars worked. But, um, 
But I got in and I sat down and he was like, all right, well, you're in neutral. So, um, so you're going to want to disengage the clutch. And I was like, clutch? <laughs> where this was where Bob learns that perhaps there's a, a preliminary lesson that needs to be taught <laughs> before the practical. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a slow start. <laughs> well, I have to admit, like I, I used to, uh, a friend of mine, Every now and then we get a chance to drive his mother's car, and his mother's car was a manual transmission. And I used to take both delight and genuine terror uh, in the experience of screaming whenever he would start to pull out of our high school parking lot. And halfway through the turn, the car starts to stall out because he's not... He's yeah, not, he's not handling the car properly. Right, right. And, there's uh, uh, when, when, when you press the clutch, there's this you um, you can feel when it engages and disengages, mm-hmm. and um, and you have to pay very close attention. I've noticed anyway in the cars that I've driven um, to to where that is, and that's when you can use the gear shift. And if you miss it, then you either stall out or you get that terrible grinding noise. And and or every- if you're lucky, both. <laughs> Right, yeah, and that is that is a thing that I'm really I'm really awful at. I could I could always I was fine driving on highways when I could kind of just go up to five and hang out there for a long time, but but once we got back into into town, I would be like, you know what, I'm gonna pull over into the first gas station, set it into neutral, and just like leap screaming from the car and allow somebody with more experience to handle. This. Wow. All right. Note to self. All right. So. uh uh, yeah, I mean, that, and of course, people. There are people who who genuinely love driving driving uh, manual transmission cars because they have that sense of they've got even more control over the vehicle's performance. Yeah, and you and you really can feel. I mean, I I understand it's fun. I mean, it's 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 fun to to get to to get to move stuff around and you feel like you're a crazy action hero right, and and you right. can feel the road better and you feel like you do have more control over what the engine's doing, but. Yeah, but I, in stop and go traffic, like for example, every day in Atlanta, it's not something that I would particularly relish. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're driving a nice uh, scenic route where there's not all that stop and go, it might be a, a huge blast. But in in you know your day to day traffic, it might be a little bit more of a nuisance over time. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that look back at Tech Stuff. And remember, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send me an email. The address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or drop me a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. The handle at all three is techstuffhsw. And I'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 